Welcome to Clear Picture Cares. I'm your host, Jason Noble. And with me today, I have the executive director of Halos, Jeb Deuce. And I'm so excited to have a great conversation with you, talking about what Halos is, what you do, and, and what's going on, not just in the low country, but across the, uh, across the overall country as well. So Jeb, thank you so much for taking time and, uh, and, and meeting with me today. This means a lot to me personally to get your word out and, and share the story of what you're, with the people that you serve. Yeah, thanks, Jason. We really appreciate being here. This is National Kinship Month, and so it's perfect time to talk about what we do at Halos and to talk about kinship families in general. So what is the driving purpose of Halos? Yeah, at Halos, we have a saying is really simple and easy to remember. It's just family matters. We serve particularly kinship families. We support, empower, and advocate for these very special families. And most people ask the question right away, what are you talking about? What is a kinship family? What does that mean to be a kinship caregiver? And it is far more easy than most people think or less complicated than people think. Any grandparent, aunt, uncle, uh, cousin, family friend that steps up to take care of a child who can't stay at home, that's kinship care. It's a, an alternative to traditional foster care, which while fantastic, places children unfortunately with strangers who they don't know. In this case, we're placing children with family members, people they love, know, have trusted all of their lives, um, or sometimes what we call fictive kin, which are maybe next door neighbors, coaches, teachers who know this, this child and again, have a trusting relationship with them. And this really maintains continuity for the young person. It results in far better outcomes than the removal into traditional foster care. And we are happy to celebrate every day the, the thousands and thousands of families in South Carolina who have stepped up in this way and made sure that that child had a loving home and a consistent home. And the majority of, of the kinship families we work with are grandparents. So we're talking about seniors who probably did not plan to be raising a child at this point in their life, but have done so you know, out of, the, out of a, a love of family. And with an agreement in our own statement that family matters and that it's important to step up and be there for those young kids. So yeah, kinship families, kinship services, that's what we're all about. And uh, it's a really, it's a, it's an honor and a privilege for us every day to work with these really special families. Yeah. And I saw that you work with approximately 2,500 family and uh, families, including children and caregivers over a course of a year. Is that, did I see that? That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. You know, the Halo's oh, office is busy. We are. We say very busy. The Halo's office is based in Charleston, and we serve the Tri-County area, Dorchester, Berkeley, uh, Charleston counties. Um, and we are only scratching the surface of what's out there. You know, we are serving, like you said, you know, well over 2,000 individuals each year, or 1,500 kids each year, hundreds and hundreds of families, kinship families. But we know through census data alone, if nothing else, that there are uh, thousands more. There are about 57,000 grandparents raising grandchildren in South Carolina. So we really are, are just beginning to reach the number of families that really do need services out there. Halo is also is fortunate to run kinshipsc.org. So we administer and manage the statewide website for kinship care. So if you don't live in one of the three counties that we serve here, we can still help you get connected to kinship services uh, in you know another region, maybe in the upstate or the PD area. So we really are serving the whole state through some type of kinship service. Okay, so let's say I'm listening right now and I am a grandparent taking care of two of my grandchildren. I don't even know that there's services available to me. 
where do I go to find out more about this? Um, and and so there's that question and what kind of services are available to, to those that are in kinship care? Yeah, great questions. And a lot of people think that the answer to that question doesn't apply to them if they're not involved with the Department of Social Services, if there's not, you know, a child a neglect or a child abuse case open. And that's simply not true. In fact, probably most of our families don't have a case with DSS. Um, if they are, if the family is involved in DSS, then there are lots of opportunities for kinship placement. And I would encourage them to talk to their DSS caseworkers. They're welcome to contact, contact, contact us here at the HALOS office um, because there are a lot of things we can do for kinship families who are in a DSS case and that child has been legally placed in maybe their custody. Um, we can help them get what's called a licensed foster kinship placement that enables them to receive the same kind of financial assistance that any type of fo traditional foster parent would receive. But again, when we're looking at all of these many, many families who, who do not have DSS involvement, what they need to know is that services still apply. It does not matter. They are still eligible to receive services and they can do that through uh, contacting the, the Charleston HALOS office or by going on kinshipsc.org and just navigating the resources there. There's an intake and a contact form on that website that will connect here to our offices. And once they're in contact with us or maybe another kinship provider in the state, what you're typically going to see are a number of offerings to that family. Support groups are some of the most popular because caregivers like to talk to caregivers. Yeah. Right. A new grandmother who's never raised her grandchild before would love, you know, really benefits from sitting in a room and talking to a grandmother who's done this already successfully. And so our success groups are wildly successful. We have virtual options as well as in-person options. But really, when we get to the core of our work, it's navigation services. So kinship navigation looks like case management in a way. It looks like really understanding the needs of that family and then matching that family to those resources in the community. Um, to help them meet their goals. We really dig into that and try to figure out where the greatest needs are. And then our family advocates and our success coach and the rest of our staff really wrap around that family and make sure that they are supported in the ways that are important for, for them to meet those goals, right? If they need back to school supplies, if they need holiday gifts, they need a crib, a bassinet, diapers, clothing, will meet the basic needs. If they need legal representation to talk about custody or placement, which can be very tricky in kinship care, we can help them with that, right? Healthcare resources, education resources, um, really the list goes on and on in terms of what we can do. But at the heart of it, it's about sitting down with them and making sure they know they're supported and helping them reach goals to be successful and to keep that child in a safe and, and loving environment. You know, you're, you're, I'm, I'm really resonating with what you're sharing with us, and I so appreciate the work that you and Halos are doing. You know, when I see it in my industry as a financial advisor and planner is around estate planning, where I'm having my clients come up with who's going to be the guardian of your children or child in the event that you have a premature passing. And what does that look like? And I, it is staggering to see how many are looking at their parents coming into play um, instead of a sibling. Not to say that this is a growing trend. It's just something that I have been noticing more and more um, within my, my own practice working with clients. Is that something that you're seeing um, 
where it's more going to parents instead of siblings as far as the kinship care? Or are you seeing a different trend that maybe I don't have access to seeing, right? What does it look like from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, really, honestly, all of the above. And that's what we, we, if we've learned over time anything, it's that kinship families really do come in all shapes and sizes. And, you know, we have seen it all. You know, we have seen siblings uh, take in children because of, an, you know, an unfortunate, you know, death in the family. We've seen um, aunts and uncles take in uh, children. I myself am a caregiver, which is partly how I got involved in this work. And um, when my sister encountered challenges in life and wasn't able to care for my nephew, right, that's when I stepped up and said, let's do everything we can to avoid a foster care situation. Let me be part of the solution. Let me be part, right, a family uh, can create solutions for itself. And so um, in that case, uh, you know, we, my nephew was able to uh, live with me, was able to reunite with mom. You know, it was a very different process than perhaps um, a grandfather, which we've just been working with recently, who um, now has a, his grandchild in his home because of um, allegations of right, drug use in the home. That child can't stay safely in the home, but we have a beautiful, wonderful solution with granddad. But granddad's going to need some help, right, in order to do that. Granddad needs to be supported, needs to be empowered, needs to have an advocate. Uh, it is not easy to raise a child. I'm sure any parent knows that. That's nothing new. But when you are raising a relative child and you have not planned for that and you are, you are in a stage of your life, right, that most people are not when they're raising children, it, you're in a really different ballgame. And so we – we make that's where we really come in right with that support that empowerment and that uh, reminder that they've got a cheerleader in their corner they have a whole team of really incredible family advocates and social workers who are there to to not just listen which is key and important but again to say hey do you need an educate like do we need to get you connected to some workshops do you need some parenting education do you need some access to therapy and counseling because kids are teenagers are very hard to raise let's sit down and you know make sure we get some family therapy in place uh, so really, it is what we do every day looks different depending on what that family looks like. Yeah, well, I, I'm grateful that you brought up the therapy because I would imagine there is something that's definitely happening with the parents into where these children have to go into kinship care. That could be a dramatic experience, not only for the children, but also for the new caregivers. Because these are most likely people that they have some sort of relationship with mm -hmm. that's a very tight relationship. And then they're dealing with they're facing legal issues and, or the drug addiction issues to a premature passing. It's, it's I think it's so important to have those, those, uh, those therapy sessions, but available, but then also having access to people who have already walked in their shoes, so to speak, and having those connections. So, so like when someone gets involved with Halos, you're providing all those different lines of services to them. And it seems like you're tailor making what services they should be exploring based off of their particular needs. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, when we bring them into Halos, part of, of the process of them becoming kind of part of our family is a, it's an assessment called the family resource scale. It's a pretty straightforward assessment. And it allows us to really sit with the caregiver and figure out where their strengths are and where their weaknesses are, you know, where, where they need uh, supports. And, you know, we, we are all, and, you know, I think we all to some degree are aware of our, you know, our success and failures kind of depend on our support networks. 
it depends on the people around us and, and whether or not we have those champions and those, those uh, supporters and the network of people to go to and ask questions and learn from. And we find that a lot of our caregivers are, you know, don't have that access. And some do, right, because they come from all walks of life. But the majority of our caregivers do, you know, live below the federal poverty threshold. They are, unfortunately, in an environment sometimes where they don't have that network um, for all of the social and economic support. So, you know, like you said, it really it's about tailoring a plan that figures out where their network needs to be boosted, right, where their economic mobility might just not be, uh, you know, set up to thrive. They, they, they might really have some education goals. We actually just had a grandmother who went back to school and got an associate's degree because we identified, like, that was the thing keeping her, you know, from getting that job that she wanted so she could take care of her grandchild in the way that she wanted to. Um, for others on that family resource scale, it might be about knowing how to deal with difficult behaviors or, you know, feeling supported when it comes to uh, navigating like school enrollment or other types of really sticky legal situations. Um, so really, yeah, the needs can be so different and us using a, an, a, an assessment based approach helps us really figure that out, make a plan and then work that plan with the family. You're, you're, okay, you're preaching to the choir right now. It's exactly what we do when we build out a financial plan. I can't help anyone if I don't know anything about them, right? And what you're doing is you're getting to know them so that you could be able to develop a plan and put them in the best position for success. Uh, it sounds very familiar. Go figure. Hey, so I hear that you guys may be having like an event coming up, some oyster roast. Is that right? Did I hear that right? That is right. Yeah, it's. Uh, a, a part of the Halo's history that's been that people love. Uh, it's an event that happens every year that is always a huge success, uh, and people really enjoy it. Our oyster roast is going to be on February 25th of 2024 um, at the Harborside East in Mount Pleasant. Um, tickets are, will go on sale in early January because they do typically sell pretty fast. Um, but we've expanded this year; we should have even more room. So folks can look for those tickets on our website in early January. But yeah, the, the Oyster Roast is a great time. And what's really fantastic is not only does it bring together some of our philanthropic partners and, and our community supporters, but our caregivers and our families get there and have a great time. And so it's a really great opportunity just to bring those worlds together and you know have all of the Halo's family in one place. So um, we do have sponsorship opportunities as well. So are there any companies out there looking to do a little corporate philanthropy? We've got sponsorship opportunities for the Oyster Roast that are being sold now and then tickets, like I said, on sale in early January. Where can people go for sponsorships? Where can people go to pre-register, right? I mean, you're, you're getting an advance notice. You got time to mark it on your calendar, make sure you're at the event, but where can they go to do those things? Yeah, that's right. Well, our website is charlestonhalos.org. If they go to charlestonhalos.org, there'll be a contact field. That is honestly the easiest way. Just shoot us a quick message using that contact field say that you're interested in, you know, um, getting more information on the Oyster Roast or being a sponsor, uh, and we can easily and very happily get you a, a sponsorship packet. Now, what if I want to just have come out, support Halos, get some good oysters and have a good time with live music and everything, bring out the family? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would tell those folks, by all means, save the date, mark the calendar um, for the Oyster Roast, and then Go again to our website and uh, you can fill out a form to get our newsletter. I would say that's the best. It's usually at the very bottom of our website pages. 
if you receive the newsletter, you'll be the first to know when tickets go on sale in early January. We're also going to put links to your website uh, on our website, Clear Picture Financial. We have a Clear Picture Cares tab. And this, this conversation is going to be there, and right below is going to be a link to your website. Uh, we want to make sure that we get the word out as much as we possibly can about what the work that you're all doing and any events that you have as well. That's fantastic. Um, well, you know, what if somebody wanted to be actually take a step further and get involved with Charleston Halos? What does that look like? What are the things that you're looking for? What are you needing? Or how can people get involved? Yeah, well, there's always ways that they can support our mission, uh, whether it's, you know, in that support category, empower category, advocate. We, we, we've got all those activities happening at once. Uh, we, you know, uh, people are probably used to hearing this, but obviously donations are one of the number one ways that, that people can support. Uh, Halo is really, I, does an excellent job, and I give credit to our great uh, fundraising and development department for building a community of, of donors. So when folks start supporting us financially, we really make sure they get a separate newsletter. We, we really keep them up to date on the stories of our families because really those donors, particularly monthly donors, you know, they become an integral part of how we do what we do. Um, beyond that, what folks really help us out with in the community are our drives. So throughout the year, we'll do a number of drives to guarantee and ensure that our families go to school or go to the holidays or go to summer with the things that they need. Um, most of our volunteer opportunities are during those seasonal drives, and so folks can be on the lookout for those in our social media or our newsletter. We really often put the call out during those times of year. For example, we just um, for the summer, we just sent um, well over 700 children to summer camp. Those are all children in kinship care and kinship families whose you know, families may not be able to provide them with that kind of summer camp experience. And so um, it depend we really depended on all of our donors to do that and all of our volunteers. We just had a book bag drive, um, and you can picture our offices full of, you know, a thousand plus book bags. Those require a lot of volunteers to pull off. And so really those seasonal drives are one of the best opportunities to get involved with us. Wonderful. So get involved by reaching out, seeing uh how you can help by donating your time, your knowledge, your wisdom, your experience, uh, your hands to pack bags and <laughs> help out to, you know, uh, also finances go a long way. Uh, Halos is a 501c3. Uh, so that means you could be looking at just uh, cash donations, obviously, right? But then also, if you, if you have a conversation with your financial advisor about a charitable remainder trust uh, to donor advised funds. There's so many ways that you could donate with a philanthropic heart. And that's why we focus on that here on Clear Picture Cares. We, we, we care about the community that we live in and serve. And you're doing such wonderful work for so many people being impacted. The numbers you said were higher than I was expecting to hear. Um, and I'm sure that's a common feedback you hear over time. It, I want to ask you this. I was my favorite questions that I love to ask in this podcast is if you could leave an impression with our listeners on the value of giving back to our community, what would that impression be? That is a fantastic question. And, and, and I think, you know, at the heart of it, a simple one for me, being in the nonprofit sector for so long, it, it comes down to knowing that gifts matter. You know, I think being on this side of, of things, 
the smallest gifts can make the biggest difference. And it's, you know, it's it, people, I, I've talked with people directly who felt like, you know, their $50 didn't, didn't make it, you know, didn't matter compared to our overall annual operating budget. But that $50, you know, it put a backpack on a kid and put clothes on their back. So they went back to school looking, you know, as fresh and, and stylish as all their peers who are not, you know, in the same unfortunate situation. Those little gifts make huge differences. And consideration, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, other ways to give too. We had a um, we had an estate gift that, you know, someone took the time to think about halos in their estate planning, made a gift that revolutionized the way that we were able to care for families because it helped us create, you know, operational reserves and endowments that nonprofits really depend on. We depend on those types of things. And you know, that was huge that someone had, had taken the time to think of us in that way and be intentional and put, put us into their estate plan. So, yeah, my impression for folks that I want to leave is just know that no matter how you give, it really matters. That's not cliche. It's not just a saying. Um, it means the world to us. So a $10 gift, a $50 gift, you know, a, an estate planning gift. All of it matters and all of it's important to us. I just want to say again, thank you to not only you, Chad, but your organization on all the hard work that you're doing for those in our community. Um, I love that you also shared other resources for those that are not in those three counties where they could go. I, I, I just, you, you poured out a lot of love on, uh, on this uh, uh, conversation today. And it definitely, uh, I felt it. I know those that are listening are going to feel it as well. So that was uh, Jed Dews, executive director at Halos here in Charleston. So excited that you came on. I'm your host, Jason Noble with Clear Picture Cares. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We'll be back next month. Thank you. Thank you.